This is Motormania. On the UAE's number one talk radio station. Dubai I 103.8. Yeah, welcome to Motor Mania. It's a pretty murky, nasty Saturday morning out there. The rains have come. Uh, They were predicted, and we're not going to let that get in the way and dampen spirits down here at Motor Mania. My name's Tom Urquhart. I'm in for Damien Reid, who's away at the moment. It's the only interactive car show on UAE Radio. We give you, well, motoring advice, talk about what's happening in the car world, let you have voice on road safety issues and more. Keeping your company all the way through till high noon. Here's what's coming up for you today. Damien's best been test driving Nissan's electric cars in Spain, of all places. The carmaker has announced that it's building its own Formula E programme. He's been speaking to the top bosses. That later. If you're looking for an SUV, Noel's been putting the Ford Expedition Timberline to the test. Uh, find out if it's a car that suits your taste and your budget. Plus, a little later on this morning, we will reveal the top five things that you should never do when driving in foggy or rainy weather. They come with hefty fines too. All that and more coming up. But no, from now, uh, all the way through for the next 60 minutes, uh, we will, of course, be doing what we do best. This. Fix it. Or flip it. Yeah, well, it's fairly straightforward. All you need to do is tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth. How does it work? It's easy. We need the details of your car. Uh, send what you can. Uh, make, model, year, colour, mileage, any dinks in the back, any dinks in the front, uh, any stains, uh, weird uh, cuts inside, anything that you've had added on, added off, or taken off, uh, then feel free to uh, send those details through. I ain't doing it on my own, which is a good thing. I never do these things alone. First piece of advice, I'm now joined by automotive entrepreneur Naz Chowdhury, who's uh, given up uh, his time to speak to us on a Saturday morning, as he does uh, each and every other Saturday down here on Dubai I-103.8 FM. Uh, Unbiased car advice to hundreds of Motor Mania listeners. There's only one person that gives that, Naz Chowdhury. Morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me on this uh Lovely rainy morning, actually. <laughs> Raining in the, ride, driving in the rain. It's a little bit different, isn't it? I actually enjoy it. Everyone, like, people complain it's too hot in Dubai, it's too hot in Dubai. And when we get that breath of fresh air and a bit of rain, people start complaining again. You can never win, can you? <laughs> exactly that. And it's also when you start to explore sort of other buttons in the car, isn't it? You yeah, know, exactly. The last time you actually put the uh, the windscreen wipers on and Which things like that. never work, because actually with the windscreen wipers, they melt, don't they? So they do, they, yeah. Within 12 months... You don't, you don't change windscreen wipers here. The week, the weekend that you need them, they fail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. they forgot that the, the blades have gone, haven't they? Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Got a big old scratch across the front of the windscreen. Exactly. More work for Naz and the rest of the team down there. What have you been working on this week? Uh, not much, really. Just uh, had a relaxing new year with the family, which has been great. Kids are back to school. Not much in the automotive space, really. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to, to, to getting onto this, really. What you got your eyes on for 2023? What's on the What's on the Naz Chowdhury wish list for this year? Something that is an automotive enthusiast I should have done before and I haven't is uh, driving the relatively new, I'd say, Porsche Taycan. I'm a huge Porsche fan, Porsche fanatic actually. From the 911 range, I've had them all, uh, but the electric car, I've just for some reason never got my hands on one. Mm. And I've actually got the opportunity to take one in the next few days, so I'm really looking forward to how Porsche kept the soul and the spirit of a Porsche and turned it into electric vehicle by pulling out its soul, i.e. the engine. So let, let's see how that works, something I'm really looking forward to. Looking forward to that. <laughs> well, Naz is here to do, well, as we told you. Fix it. 
or flip it. Come on, let's have your text messages. Get them in to us now. 4001. All we need, the details about your car, make, model, year, colour, mileage, and we will do the rest. We will tell you whether to fix it or flip it. In fact, let's go to line number two. Uh, first caller of the day is Chris, joining us live on the line. Morning, Chris. Hi, good morning. Uh, good morning. Great show. Love the show. Hi, Tom. Hi, Naz. Good morning, Chris. Yeah, hi. What have you got for us? So, uh, it's car shopping time uh, for me, and uh, the, it's that old or new question. So, trying to decide between an older FJ or that new Suzuki Jimny, uh, which looks really tiny, but a friend of mine was kind of going on about how good it, um, his is uh, at the moment. So, I'm trying to uh, see what you think uh, between those two. And if the answer's an FJ, how do I avoid one that's, uh, that's not uh, been clocked? Very good. Uh, kind of worry. Very good question. I see one of your New Year's resolutions is buy myself a new car, which is always nice. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. In, in, in terms of your question, I mean, look, like you said, they are honestly both great cars. Um, if I was in your position, I would steer heavily towards FJ Cruiser, and I'll tell you why for a number of reasons. Uh, number one, anytime you buy a car, you lose 20 30% or even 40% of the depreciation in the first two, three years. So with FJ Cruiser, you're letting someone else take that hit. Whereas with the Jimny, you'll be taking that hit yourself. So from a financial perspective, over the years, it makes more sense to go for the FJ Cruiser. Secondly, the FJ Cruiser is overall much more solid and reliable car. I mean, Toyota, in terms of running costs, these things go on. You know, I've seen FJ Cruisers with two, three, four hundred thousand kilometers, and they just keep on going. If you've ever been on those uh, desert safaris and you've seen what they do to the uh, the Toyotas out there, they just bash them for years and years, and they keep on running, don't they? <laughs> um, yeah. In terms of pricing, in terms of uh, finding the right one, um, the real main thing you need to look out for is the service history, Chris. So um, yeah. there's not many with good service history, but really the service intervals from Alpha Tame are 5,000 kilometers, if I'm not mistaken. But even if you find a car that's been stamped in the book every 10,000 kilometers or so, um, that would ensure that it's not been clocked back. Just stay away from anything that hasn't had a service history and a full service record. Number one. Number two, avoid anything that's been modified, really, because it's probably had a harder life. So, you know, although they look appealing with the big fog lights and the big bumpers and the zombie lights and the off-road wheels, they look cool. They look appealing. But chances are it's had a pretty difficult life. So my advice would be find FJ Cruiser, which is two, three, four years old, low mileage, full service history, unmodified, unmolested. How does that sound, Chris? Lovely. I think that's that's probably the right answer. I probably knew it inside my head already, but it's really nice to hear uh, an expert confirm it. So thank you for that. Needed Absolute to pleasure. Good morning, Chris. Uh, happy New Year to you. Uh, thanks so much indeed. Can we still say Happy New Year's? We can still say Happy New Year's. Yes, Year, we can. We? Definitely. We can do what we want. We're on radio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can still do the Happy New Year's. Chris, thanks very much indeed for kicking us off. Right, let's go to line number one now and say good morning and Happy New Year to Sanjay. Happy New Year, gents. How are you? Very well indeed. Very How well. are you? What's your question for the team? Well, uh, I've got a 2017 Model X Tesla with about 160,000 kilometers on it. Um, and I've, I've ordered the new one three two years ago, so I assume they will deliver my new one this year. So I wanted to see if I could sell this one and use that. 
Okay, good question. I will put that to Naz. Nice to see you've uh, taken advantage of the Tesla with 159,000 kilometers. I've hardly seen a Tesla go that high in Dubai, to be honest. So well done, Sanjay, for using your car. (laughs) Um, Very quickly, I have one question for you. Um, Many of the early Tesla Model Xs that came into the UAE in 2016-17 were actually US specs. Is yours a US spec vehicle or a UAE spec? Uh... It's made in the U.S., but I, I assume it's, it's, it's European specs, I think, because they, they do it as per European standards in Dubai. So it's the bigger uh, charger, the big bulky one, like four or five pins. That's correct. Yeah. Okay, so it's, so, it's a, so it's a European spec one. Um, so a lot of people would actually be put off. I know in 2017 they had a seven-year warranty on the motor and the... Uh, sorry, I'm asking a lot of questions here, but I want to get this as accurate as possible. Uh, do you have the seven-year warranty on the battery in the, uh, the motor pack? Yes, I do. Okay, cool. So that should give people reassurance because buying a Tesla with 159 on the clock would put people off, but being a Euro spec with the warranty would definitely, you know, make sure you get a better price for it. I mean, in terms of pricing, I think finding the right person to buy it, um, depending on the number of seats, five, six, or seven, whether you have the autopilot or not, of course. Uh, it's a seven-seater. Seven, seven with autopilot. Okay, so in that case, you're probably looking at around... I'd say 190 to 220,000, depending on when you find the right buyer, somewhere there. Oh, wow. That's a pretty good price. Yeah, the Tesla Model X are discontinued now, and that Falcon Doors always has an appeal, right? So, you know, no, you've probably done a school run or something. Wherever you pull up and the Falcon Doors go up, <laughs> it always turns heads, right? That never, ever, <laughs> yeah. ever gets boring. So there's not many. There's not many on the roads, and people do pay that premium, even though you can buy a Model Y or a Model 3 for a similar price. Um, just to have yeah. the seven seats and the Falcon doors, you're probably still going to get close to 200 for it. So, you know, I, I remember when I went to buy the car in the showroom and I wanted to go buy the S and the kids came with me and I had no choice there. <laughs> I had to buy the X. And that's it. You know? It's the doors. And then the light show comes on as well with the lights and everything. Oh, yeah, the Christmas show and, yeah, <laughs> all of that. So, all like a good so we have a Model X as a family car. You can see I know this car very, very well. It's what my wife's been driving for a few years. <laughs> Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing. Good on you, Sanjay. I hope that helps with the decision-making. Big thanks to Sanjay and Happy New Year to you. Okay, let's go to line number two where we've got Emma waiting. Morning, Emma. Happy New Year. Good morning. Happy New Year. Morning. What's your question for Naz? Okay, so we've got um, an Alfa Romeo, Giulietta. It's a 2018 model. Uh, Red, obviously. Um, It has warranty until next month. Um, my question is, uh, I mean, I love the car. I would love to keep it. But due to warranty running out, um, it's only got 81,000 miles. So it's not, it's not, it's not um, got lots of miles. But uh, what I want to know is, is there something that I can get that's like punchy, but isn't going to cost so much on repairs and parts and things? Because obviously it's, it's Italian and parts take ages to get here and they're super expensive. Or should I just keep it? <laughs> So, I think I've got the right answer for you, okay, because okay. I've recommended this to a few people over the years, and this answer has never let me down. Something hot hatchy, punchy, with four doors, um, that's really got the punch, the reliability, uh, hands down Golf GTI. Oh, okay. Hands down Golf GTI. Yes, you can go for a luxury, more premium model like the Audi S3, um, which is practically the same car on the same wheelbase. But honestly, the Golf GTI ticks all the boxes. I can see you enjoy the punch of the of the Alfa Romeo. 
But mm. like, just go take a GTI for a test drive. They are incredibly mm. balanced, reliable, good on running costs, good on depreciation, tick all the boxes. And you'll be calling back in a few years thanking me, Emma. I'm pretty sure of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's great. Thank you very much. Go take a fair test drive and see how you feel in it, okay? Okay, thanks a lot. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Cheers, Emma. Thanks so much indeed to you. Yeah, Golf GTA. I remember it's one of those it's one of those icons of the road, it isn't really it? It really is. I my when I was growing up, my dad's business partner always had Golf GTIs. And it was one of those yeah. it was one of those of only fools and one day, Rodney. One day, Rodney, I'm gonna get my hand on one of them. And see how it embedded a memory in your head, the GTA, the oh, GTA. It's uh, still there, isn't it? After there, all these years. Still there, and I still haven't had the opportunity. I mean I've driven mates uh, ones around, I've never owned one. But I've always said, you know, when I retire, that will be my retirement yeah, yeah, yeah. car. It's a per- perfect little hot hatch, honestly. I look like, like a complete crack, you know. <laughs> it's fine. in a big old souped up GTI. On, you know. <laughs> Blacked out windows. <laughs> uh, right, let's get to some of the other questions that are coming through. Big thanks to Emma, who has just been in touch. Here comes Sanjay. Uh, not the Sanjay we've had before. This is a morning full of Sanjays. Uh, here comes Sanjay with another recommendation or another question. Sanjay, a question for Naz is... I'm looking at EVs. I'm not really considering Tesla because of the budget. What would you think of the ID4 or the ID6? Are there any risks associated with after-car, after-purchase service? Since I know it's not supplied over here by Al Nabuda, would you recommend any other EVs in a cheaper price range? Really appreciate the show and all the advice that you give out on it. It's all about the electrics. Yes, Sanjay, thanks for the call. Great question, really. Look, honestly, I would recommend the ID4 or the ID6 wholeheartedly. I know that Volkswagen don't honor the warranty as such because they haven't been sold as GCC specification yet. But there are many local garages here like Swiss Auto and things like that that actually do these third-party warranty packages on them. But honestly, the ID4 is great value for money, incredible car. And if I was on the lookout for a decent EV in that range, I'd definitely buy in the ID4. Hope that answers the question. Yeah, Sanjay, hope that helps with that one. Uh, we've also got um, just a follow-up from Emma who's been in touch. She's had Emma on the phone. Um, we gave her the recommendation about GTI. She said, ah! Forgot, I was, was caught up in the moment, forgot to ask, what's the what's my car worth? So that's the Red Alpha yes, 2018 Yes, Of course. Of course. Uh, glad you're still listening to the show, Emma. <laughs> in terms of pricing, so you, you'd probably, there's not many in the market, you'd probably see them advertised for 70, 75, 80. But I think realistically, when all said and done, being red with 80 on the clock, it would probably change hands at around 65 to 68,000 dirhams. Now, you do have an advantage with the trade-in. So if you are going for a GTI or another car, uh, the main dealer should be able to trade it in and give you close to that figure as well. Yeah, so somewhere there, really, mid to late 60s. It's a war chest for the new yeah, GTI, yeah, exactly. isn't it? Yeah? Yeah. This is Motormania on Dubai Eye 103.8. With CarsSwitch.com. Great value, trusted quality, all online. No one else does it like CarsSwitch.com. This is Motormania. We are live here on Dubai I-103.8. My name's Tom Urquhart. I'm in for Damien Reed. I've got Nash Chowdhury alongside me as well. We're currently playing, well, a little bit of this. Fix it or flip it. If you are new to the show, it's fairly straightforward. We'll walk you through it. Uh, do you want to fix your car or do you want to flip it? Basically, do you want to do up your car or do you want a new one? Uh, tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it is worth. This is uh, pricing for you on a Saturday morning. Uh, easy. We need the details about your car. We need the make. We need the model. We need the year. We need the colour. We need the mileage and any other details you might have. And then we'll do the rest. Uh, as I said, Naz alongside me here in studio uh, to give you his expert advice. 
Shibby's been in touch, sent a text message to us. Shibby has a Mitsubishi Pajero 3.8 litre V6 engine. It's 2010 make, 255,000 kilometres on the clock. It's an Abu Dhabi plate as well. Thanks for the details, Shibby. Shibby wants to know how much is it worth? You know, we get a Mitsubishi Pajero inquiry every single week. Have you noticed that? Like every <laughs> single show, there's a Mitsubishi Pajero. And Shibi, that just goes to show that there's a huge demand for these cars. You know, People are always selling them, people are always buying. It's a very buoyant market for a car like this. Regardless of mileage, even though yours has got 250 on the clock, I'd still say it's worth thirty to 35,000 dirhams. Well, you know what, Pajeros, they're like, they're, like, they're like London buses, aren't they? They really you are, wait yeah. for weeks and weeks and weeks, and then, you know what, they all come at once. Because, <laughs> let's go to line number two, say good morning, Happy New Year to Sahail, who's joining us live on the line. And Sahail, what you got? Hi, good morning. How are you guys? We're good. What have you got? Okay, I've got a Pajero that's done 342. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I just did an uh, engine overhaul recently. Okay. And, okay. Part of me thinks, is it better to keep it off or uh, replace it? Right, I'm going to hand it over to Naz because I think he probably needs a few more details. Naz, over to you. Yeah, um, so it's quite clear actually, Sohail. I mean, if if you hadn't done the engine overhaul, I would have said replace it. But since you've probably just invested a fair bit of money into overhauling the engine and making it all up to speed, and since it works and runs fine, and since it's great value for money because you're not really going to get much for this when you do sell it, if it's reliable and if it's keeping on the road, my advice would be to keep it. There's nothing better than having that car where you just don't care. You know, you park in the car park malls. You're not worried about someone knocking the door. You know, you're going somewhere off-road. You don't mind hitting a curb. Honestly, the pleasure and satisfaction of driving a car you don't care about, that's worth something, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I, th- I think that uh, just confirms it, I guess. Yeah. Good on you, Sahel. Thanks so much indeed for your call this morning. Sahel getting in touch with us uh, about another Pajero. Uh, Akash has been in touch as well. Akash has sent this text message. I just turned 19, Naz, and I want to buy my first car. Good on you, Akash. In the money already, rather than knocking on the bank of mum and dad. Uh, Sedan, secondhand, nothing fancy. Need it for my daily commute into Dubai. I've got 20,000 dirhams saved. What's a good car within that budget, or do I have to save a bit more? First of all, hats off to you, Akash. Not only has he saved $20,000 by the age of 19, but he wants nothing fancy. Mm. He just wants a reliable car from A to B. Hats off to you. When I was 19, I wanted something fast <laughs> and loud and crazy. And it's like, really, like, it's uh, sensible, sensible, Akash, I'd say. So hats off to you for that, first of all. In terms of car... Look, stick to Japanese, stick to Korean, so you have plenty of choice from, you know, Nissan Tida, the, the Yaris's, the things like that. You know, eighteen, twenty thousand, you'd probably still get some change from a 2014, 15, 16 model. And these things go on forever with relatively low maintenance. So some, somewhere low-end Japanese, really, even Toyota Corolla, actually. Yeah, because uh, the last thing you want is the old uh, 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 the, the garage bills on exactly. something, isn't of it? Exactly, of course that not. Age. With a budget like that, and of course, at that age, the last thing you want... I personally suffered from that at the age of 19. I got my first car. It was a Golf GTI. <laughs> <laughs> so it was actually just one down, then I upgraded to the GTI. And it was amazing. Everything. I had one light on the dashboard that I couldn't get rid of. And you know what that was? 
the fuel like because really? it kept on like another 20 pounds another 10 quid another 20 pounds because <laughs> all the money went to the car it's <laughs> gonna get the damn fuel light off that was brilliant yeah do you remember those days of looking into your pockets how much cash have I, how much cash how much petrol can i put in going exactly. into the petrol station exactly can i have a fiver please <laughs> <laughs> you just turn on three seconds and it's done already <laughs> uh, let's get david's thoughts david's been in touch this morning he sent a text remember you can text us or you can call us david's been in touch david saying uh, hey naz i got a ford explorer X XLT 2013. It's blue. 135. It says 135 kilometers. I'm thinking that's 135,000 kilometers. Yeah, I think so. It must be. Uh, name's David. What's the value, please? Uh, XLT 2013. I'd say you. You know, I'd say these cars are worth around 35 to 40. Really, somewhere there. Um, you know, advertise it for for 32, 35 and just wait for the right buyer really depends on the colour and things like that oh he said blue sorry yeah around 35,000 35 grand Uh, thanks so much indeed for that one David Finn's been in touch uh, one of the great supporters of Dubai Eye morning Finn be it noon be it morning night come rain or shine Finn's on the other end of the radio that's for sure Uh, Finn saying always listen to the show not wanting to buy not wanting to sell I just want your thoughts on the Peugeot 206 Cabriolet I used to love that car yeah, it really was a great car. Um, but I'd be surprised if you can find one here in the UAE. <laughs> I haven't actually come across one in all my time here. Um, they just don't exist. Yeah. What is the, what is the Peugeot? I say Peugeot. I know I'm going to get into trouble. Peugeot, maybe. Uh, it's the old pronunciation thing, isn't it? Peugeot. 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 <laughs> uh, is there a big market here or not? Uh, not really, no. I remember seeing a few back in the day, but I don't think many lasted, to be honest. Really? Yeah, Yeah, because you just don't see them on the road. Um Honestly, like with these kind of Peugeots and, and, and Renaults especially, they're really, really well suited to France and, and, yeah. and the way they built the roads in, in Western Europe and stuff. I mean, you know, if you had one of these cars and you're in the south of France driving up through the roads with the roof down and all the small little nooks and crannies between the villages, it's a great car. But like in Dubai, with your nine-lane highways where everyone's doing 140 kilometers an hour flashing behind you and you're in this little yeah. Peugeot, you know? Yeah. Just, I wouldn't feel comfortable, to be honest. It's not exactly. going to work, is it? Exactly. <laughs> uh, let's go to the lines. Shafiq is joining us now live on line number three. Morning, Shafiq. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Naz. Thank morning. You. Nice to see uh, hear uh, from you. What do you got for us? Fantastic show. I have a Chevrolet Cruze, a 2013 model, uh, 72 500 kilometers done uh, since it's like reaching 10 years so I thought you know is, is it, is it is, there's no mechanical issues should I keep it and how much I'll get it another new year new car huh? <laughs> nice yeah. uh, what what spec or trim is it do you know is it the LT or the LTZ or like it's is LT. It the premium? it's, LT. it's, the, it's LT. the LT it's the LT yeah, I mean, look, these cars are pretty solid. You have relatively low mileage, I'd say, on the lower side. Yeah. You know, most of the cruises around 10 years old, you see them advertise 150, 180, even 200,000 on the clock. So the fact that you've got that kind of low mileage is a really good thing. Um, honestly, like, if you need to buy a car, go ahead. But, like, this car will keep on going for another few years. The mileage is low. You've owned it for so yeah. long. You know the car well. You know, if there's no immediate need to buy a car, I'd stick to what you've got for now, to be honest. No, my worry was because uh, it's see this car is because it's car number three in the family. Okay. So it's hardly driving. It's mainly used for the school run in the morning. Yeah. It's quicker and faster. Uh, it's just uh, I'm just worried that you know that, that after ten years whether the maintenance issues will start coming up. 
with wear and tear issues and stuff like that. So should I just keep it or should I, you know, try and get another second hand? Oh, I know what you're doing here, Shafiq. You're asking, should you fix it or flip it? Yeah, yeah exactly. I don't honestly say, I don't honestly say keep hold of it because to have that, you know, what's it worth today? 20, 25 grand? You'd rather have that with a nice little car in the driveway, is a third car, it's there for the school runs, it's there for the car four runs, it's there for the little pharmacy and the doctor runs. What else are you going to get yeah. for 20, 25 grand? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's what was my, you know, I just wanted to reconfirm it, just keep it and flip it. Good on you, yeah. good on you, Shafiq. Well, big thanks to you for joining us live on the line. We're going to take a short break. Uh, Abdul Majid is listening in out there, as is Ian. And we're going to keep them on tenterhooks. They've got questions pending for now. This is Motormania on Dubai Eye 103.8. With CarSwitch.com, the better way to buy a used car. No one else does it like CarSwitch.com. Yes, welcome back to Motormania. My name is Zena Zalamea. Oh, no, it's not. My name is Tom Urquhart, uh, but I am in for Zena Zalamea. No, I'm not. Uh, Zena's here and she's taking your calls at the moment. Damien Reed is away at the moment. You're listening to Motormania. It is our bi-weekly a look at all things automotive. And now we're doing this. Fix it or flip it. Here's our game. Basically, got Naz Chowdhury alongside me as well, the automotive entrepreneur who gives up his Saturday morning. How do you do it, Naz? How do you convince uh, the wife, four kids, uh, all the pets, everything else that's going on in the Chowdhury household? Look what's in my hand. <laughs> Double espresso, one after the other. Is that it? Sorry, sorry, love, I'm just popping out. I'm just popping out to get some coffee. I'll Morning be back in an hour. coffee to chit-chat with some friends. <laughs> Uh, And he gives his expertise that he's built up uh, over the years. Long time in the UAE, Naz? 14 years. I have to think about that because I've been saying 10 for the past few years and people correct me. It's like, no, it's climbing. 14, 13. Yeah, it's... uh, Time flies, doesn't it? It really does. So proper understanding of the automotive industry. Quick, I mean, we'll get back to fix and flip it shortly. Has the automotive industry, has the car industry matured here in the time you've been here? Definitely. Um, although there's still a long way to go. Yeah. Um, but like, um, it's very different really from, from other markets in the sense that people don't keep their cars for as long and people like to change them a lot sooner. It's very transient because people are always coming in, people are always leaving. So I just feel there's a lot more transactions, whereas in, in the UK and you know, more mature markets, you know, people have the same car, the same house for years and years and years, don't they? You remember what your neighbor had from like 25 years ago. Whereas here, people are just changing every two, three years. The finance drops off, upgrade to something newer. So it's very different in terms of like number of owners, really. You mm. just see cars with a lot more owners. We are here to answer your questions. We are here to give you this. Fix it. Or flip it. Naz does the hard yards. Uh, he will give you a valuation and tell you what best to do. All you need to do is get in touch via text message 4001, WhatsApp on 04871 Same number, 04871 if you'd like to call the studio direct. Pick up the phone and give us a call or download the ARM Play app. All we need from you is make, model, year, colour, mileage, and we will do the rest. A lot of people getting in touch with their thoughts and their opinions. Uh, in a number of different ways. Uh, here's one from Marianne, who's been in touch this morning. Marianne asking this. Good morning, guys. Happy New Year. Um, I've got a 2014 Audi S-Line A5, 1.8 turbo. It's done 145,000 kilometres. I drive 
yeah, highway, up and down, up and down. There's no problems with it. It's super good spec, really comfy. I'm just really worried getting to 150,000 kilometers that it's going to start failing. How much realistically could I get for it part exchange or um, obviously selling private? Thanks so much. Not at all. Thank you, Marianne. Over to you, Naz. I think I can hear the rain in the background on the roof. Did you hear that? <laughs> Very therapeutic. Yeah. <laughs> at least the wipers are working. <laughs> uh, in, terms of, in terms of your question, first of all, Marianne, um, I'd probably say it's a good idea to move on. Um, not that there's anything wrong with Audis, and of course, this thing will keep on going. It's just, unfortunately, the Audi bills tend to be uh, a little bit higher when they start going wrong, so you can expect five, ten grand a year worth of bills over the next few years, so you know, put that away towards a newer car. It would be my opinion in this particular car, especially doing the highway stuff. You don't want to break down and you obviously need your car for transport. In terms of price, I'd say in today's market, you're probably looking around forty-five to 50,000 dirhams if you were to part exit. If you were to sell it yourself, probably a little bit more than that. Uh, but it's just about advertising and presenting it well. You said it's well-specced and finding the right buyer, really. Right, got another one coming through. I, actually, I teased this one a little earlier on, so I'm not going to keep them on the line for that. I'm, obviously, they can listen to the full two hours of Motor Mania, but Abdul Majid, I know, was listening in, wanting evaluation on his uh, Suzuki Ertiga, is it? Ertiga, yeah. 2022, so last year's model. 60,000 already on the clock, basic option, black from Abdul Majid. So, I haven't seen any 2022s. You just don't get them. Even if you look online and in the classifieds and things like that, you just don't see any. I think the last one I saw was a 2020 advertised for 45. Um, so, what I'd say this is worth is probably what the new car value is, minus probably 10, 15%. I'm, I'm sorry off the top of my head, I'm not sure. Did he say basic specs? So probably basic around spec, yeah. 65, 68. New, I'd say around 55,000 dirhams, something like that. Uh, but when you do advertise it or you do put it for sale, um, don't let people haggle too much and command your price because there's no other 22 out there in the market that I know of. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, getting loads of Ians calling the show this morning as well. So to all the Ians out there, morning. Uh, and we'll start with Ian, the Beamer Ian, first and foremost. Ian's got a BMW uh, 528i M Series 2016, 150k on the clock. Great car. Uh, I actually love these, by the way. It's something that I used to have uh, a couple of years ago back in the UK as well. But I had the diesel version, sadly. This is the uh, 528 petrol. In terms of pricing, I'd say around 80 to 85,000 dirhams, somewhere there. Right, we are. Thank you for that one. Another Ian that's been in touch as well. Uh, Ian's uh, a Porsche, a Porsche kind ah, of guy. Your kind of guy. Ian. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, he's got 911. Uh, 991.1. 2013, a gate grey, Carrera S, 125 kilometres. The valuation, please. Um, I'd say around uh, around 180 to 200,000 dirhams. Um, I remember these dropped to 150 a couple of years ago or a year and a half, two years ago, but they seem to be creeping back up now. So, yeah, close to 200,000 dirhams. Um, very important for these cars. Original paint, full service history. If you've got all of that, you can definitely demand a higher premium. Sadly, if there's a bit of choppy service history and a bit of accident history and things like that, it could even knock... 20% off the car and really? take it down to 160, yeah. So somewhere within that area, but I'm sure Ian... 
Porsche guy has looked after the car. So closer to the 200, mate. Good on you, Ian. Thanks so much indeed for that. Let's go to the lines and say good morning to uh, Enas, who's joining us live on the line. Happy New Year, Enas. A happy New Year. It's very nice to hear this on the way. I'm going from Dubai to Al Ain. I've got work in Al Ain today. <laughs> so nice. I'm listening to you and I'm learning all about it. And I'm driving the very car I'm calling about. Tell us more. Um, uh, so this is this is my second car actually. It's the second car in the family. It's our beloved baby car. It's the Porsche Boxster, 2016 Champagne Grey, uh, beige uh, seats, leather seats inside. Beautiful, beautiful car. I bought this new from Anabuda 2016. Um, but you know what, Tom? Um, I think every time I take it for servicing, um, I look around and I think I'm thinking: Is it time to change the car? Mm. Um, I'm loving it so much. At, um, I'm now very near retirement. My, my, my voice, my thoughts sound like it. But uh, I'd like to, I, I want something special. So shall I keep this car or change it? Let me tell you why I'm asking this question. My son took this car a couple months ago when it was raining really heavily. It slipped and he bashed um, uh, the bumper. Uh, I took it for repair in a Nabu that uh, the bumper has been replaced. Other than that, the car is in perfect condition. Is it worth much to, to sell and change, or shall I just keep it and, 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 and continue enjoying it? Well, first and foremost, Anas, thank you very much indeed for your call. Secondly, you don't sound like you're anywhere near retirement age, yeah. OK? <laughs> Thirdly, safe driving down to LA. And fourthly, now they're over to you. In the background, yeah, <laughs> of course. Well, thank you for the, uh, for the detailed question. Honestly, I, I'm pleased to speak to many uh, Porsche lovers this morning. Uh, the Porsche Boxster is, in fact, an absolutely great car. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you had good usage out of it with the 74,000 kilometers. Um, so let's start with the pricing today. What is a car like that worth? Sorry, is it the Boxster S or just the Boxster? Just the Boxster. Just the Boxster, which is fine as well, by the way. Don't worry about the S. Um, I'd say in today's market, it's probably worth around 130,000 dirhams, 125,000 dirhams. Um, are you a fan of Porsche? Yes, absolutely. Honestly, I'd give you two options. If you were to keep the car, sorry, if, you, if you're happy with the car, then keep it because, you know, you talked about the, the unfortunate incident with your son driving the car, the bumper, of course, he's okay. That's the main thing, you know, like it was repaired at Nabuda. That is insignificant. You know, that shouldn't tarnish the car in any way. You know, you shouldn't look down on it. It hasn't devalued it. It's been done at the agency. It was only the bumper. Like, just ignore that episode. Ignore that chapter because that shouldn't have any any relevancy on your decision on buying or selling the car. You know, if you like it, if you enjoy it, and you obviously do, I'd say keep hold of it. Um, if you want to upgrade and you like the Porsche Boxster convertible, I'd go for the Porsche Carrera. It doesn't have to be new. 2016, 17, you know, somewhere in the low 200s, mid 200s. But you're getting a lot more power, a lot more punch. You're getting two seats in the back as well. Uh, but if you're happy with the, the Boxster, just keep the Boxster, honestly. <laughs> you know what happens now? Um, you know, the small bits and pieces inside, like the, the, the window switch and the, the, the sunshed, you know, these things, they just break, you know. This is what happens over the years with the, with the Porsche. They're very delicate inside. Yeah, it's the heat, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, so now if I'm to repair all that, it's probably going to cost me an arm and a leg just for these little bits and pieces inside. Um, so this is why I was thinking maybe I should change it and get something different. 
Yeah, I mean, look, in hindsight, and of course, it's too late to say this, but when you have a Porsche, for any listeners out there, whether it's a Boxster or Carrera or anything, it's always wise to pay the six, 7,000 dirhams a month for the warranty because that gives you the full peace of mind and all these little things that break along the way. The Buddha will just fix them and they're really, really good with their warranties. What I would do is I'd speak to the service advisor and ask him if he can reinstate the warranty. And sometimes they can. Usually if it falls off, it's a bit harder to put back on. But if you can get the warranty back on for the sake of 6,000 dirhams, 7,000 dirhams a year, you can just run and run and run and not worry about anything going on, going wrong. Sorry. Hope that helps, Anas. Sounds good. It's very helpful. Thank you very much. Not You're at welcome. All the best of the warranty. Big thanks to you for the call. Uh, right, what were we saying about Peugeot a little earlier on? I loved her energy, by the way. Oh, Sorry, I, I just, uh, I'm off track again. Sorry, well, what Peugeot? did we say about Peugeot earlier? Uh, we just didn't see them, did we? We don't see them. We don't yeah, see them, yeah. don't we? Okay, let's go to the line, shall we? Oh, uh, and speak God. to uh, Vrishali, who's joining us live on the line. Hey, Vrishali. Hello. Hey, yeah, you? we can hear you now. Sorry, we're on the long line. Uh, Vrishali, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. What do you got? I've got a uh, Peugeot RCZ. It's a 2015 <laughs> model. And uh, run very less, like 55, uh, since I travel quite a lot. It's uh, the red carbon edition which was sold to me as a new edi- uh, i mean limited edition so yes uh, um, i mean this it, it's it's fine the services have been a bit difficult where they have been expensive for the last couple of years so what do i do with it do you like the car i love the car i, I mean it's it's very rare on the road yeah definitely yeah. And it's a pure black carbon fiber. Uh, I mean, it, it, it looks lovely. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, they've actually aged quite well, the RCZs. They remind me of the early Audi TTs because, like, you're almost from a distance from the silhouette on the side. You don't know whether it's the front or the back. They've got that really nice, like, uh, shoulder line, right? Um, yes. I mean, in, in terms of pricing, I'd say this car today's more, like, there's, you'll only find a handful advertised. Around that age, you'd find, you know, two, three, four advertised. And they'll all be with like double the mileage advertised for around 30 grand. So really yours is worth around 40,000 to the right buyer. But honestly, Rajali, what else are you going to buy that's going to give you that status, that feeling for 40,000 dirhams? You've got low mileage. You've got yourself a great car. It's not going to go down in value tomorrow. My advice would be enjoy it and make the most of it. Okay, that's great to hear. Good on you, Rajali. Thank you very much indeed for your call. This is Motormania on Dubai Eye 103.8. With CarsSwitch.com. Great value, trusted quality, all online. No one else does it like CarsSwitch.com. Yeah, 10.50 means we've got 10 minutes. We're doing this at the moment. Fix it or flip it. You know the rules. Uh, Nas Chowdhury's here to give you a valuation and tell you whether you should fix it or flip it. As I said, 10 minutes for us to get through as many as we can. So we're on Starters and we are off. Starting with Farouk, who joins us on line number two. Morning, Farouk. Morning, morning. How are you? Good. What do you got? Uh, nothing. I just have a... I'm a BMW fan. All I have two BMWs, but I have one X5, which has done 110,000 kilometres, bought in 2016, agency maintained, extended agency which has just kind of expired because it's done seven years uh, i was wondering two things what would be the price if i sell this car and what would be an ideal replacement 
Good on you, Farouk. Thank you very much indeed for the question. Naz, over to you. Honestly, great, great car, Farouk. I mean, those X5s. And what I liked about AGMC and Abu Dhabi Motors is they're one of the few companies that gave seven-year service contracts, right? And seven-year warranties up to 200,000 kilometers. That's unheard of, like, apart from the new range Hyundai's. Um, I mean, in terms of pricing, I'd say it's probably worth around 100 and 10, 120,000 dirhams somewhere there. By the way, is it the, sorry, is it the 3.5 twin turbo or the V8? Sorry? Is it the V6 or the V8? Uh, it's a V6. Sorry, so maybe a little bit less. Closer to just over 100,000 dirhams is what today's value is. Um, what would you replace it with? You know, one of the beautiful things and underrated things about the uh, the BMW X5 is although they look like a 4x4, although they perform like an SUV, they actually handle like a sedan. Yeah. You know, they really do handle like a sedan. Like, you don't feel the weight going around the corners and stuff. So, you know, if you liked it, if you're happy with it, then there's no reason why you shouldn't go for another BMW X5, really. I mean, they haven't really updated much on the inside. Um, but the, another alternative would maybe be a KN GTS. You'd get that nice saloon feel, but with the 4x4. Uh, what about an X4? Yeah, you know, have you noticed over time these things start growing, right? So the X4 now has become the size of the X5. The X5 has grown into something else. Uh, again, great car, small engine capacity, so you're not going to feel the punch you feel in the X5. Uh, but overall, still a great car. And if I, if you do buy another BMW, whether it be the X4 or the X5, always make sure you go for the M-Pack. It's a little bit harder to find. Probably spend a little bit more money, but they just retain so much more value. They look so much more better as well. Okay, so the last question is of a Range Rover Velar or a X5? I would take... Oh, that's a difficult <laughs> one. That is a difficult one. Not often he's stumped. Not uh, often he's stumped. Can we have them both? <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd go for the... You know, from is it from a dry... Look, okay, let me answer this in two ways. From a driving perspective, like ultimate driving pleasure, which is BMW's motto, I'd go for the BMW. Uh, for reliability, I'd steer towards... BMW, um, for the looks and just the Dubai lifestyle, I'd go for the Villar. Um, Depreciation-wise, again, Villar. So it, it depends what you're looking for in terms of you know what's important to you, depreciation, looks, maintenance, things like that. So it's based on those four criteria, it's two votes on this side and two votes on this side. <laughs> We're going to sit on the fence on that one, all <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. Good on you, Farouk. Thank you very much indeed for your questions. Hope that one helps. Let's go to Alex, who's joining us. Happy New Year to you, Alex. Happy New Year. Good morning. Morning to morning. you. What's your question? Hi. So your evaluation, please, um, for a 2016 Range Rover Sport HSE. That's a V6. Um, I think it's around 320 horsepower or 340. All-wheel drive, supercharged, wide. The mileage is uh, around 110, a bit below 107, I think. Great condition. So what would be the market value? Sorry, did you say, uh, which engine size did you say it was? It's... Um, it's a V6 uh, Range Rover Sport. Okay. Uh, great cars, actually. In terms of price, uh, I'd say around 100 and, uh, 150 to 170,000 dirhams, somewhere there, depending on the service history and things like that. Yeah, okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Good on you, Alex. No problem. Thank you very All much indeed Thank for you. that one. Uh, no name coming through on this one, don't worry. If you don't want to put your name with it, you don't need to, uh, but do, do get those texts coming in. As I said, we've got about, what, the next four minutes or so. Uh, somebody say, Naz, we've got a 2016 Nissan Pathfinder, mid-option, 155 kilometres on the clock, current value? Mm, I'd say around nine, hey, 85 to 90,000 dirhams, somewhere there. Very uh, popular car. Uh, somebody's also been in touch about their M3 2009 model, 150k on the clock. Can I have an evaluation, please? 
great car uh, 150 on the clock you know these things drop if you were to ask me about a year and a half ago i would have said 60 65000 now i'd probably say around 80 to 85 for some reason these things have climbed i also see what should i replace it with um look into the audi rs range for that kind of price maybe an rs3 and rs4 if you to upgrade on pricing i mean obviously you're a petrol head a german lover petrol head so if if you've done with the m range try the rs series from audi Uh, and uh, let's get one more from Desmond, if we can. Uh, this one's from Desmond. He sent a text message about this saying, my niece's car is pink. She wants to sell it to her. I've said to her, good luck. Her dad wants to paint it white. What does a paint job do to a car's value, Naz? Um, it all depends on the car. So do we have any more information? No, that's it. Um, so, it's a pink car. <laughs> so general rule of thumb is... Um, if you to respray a car different color, you definitely lose value. Like depends on the car, but if you you want to give a relative figure, I'd say it loses about twenty percent of its value if you were to change a car to different color. However, having said that, how many people are going to wake up this morning and go, "I want to buy a pink car"? <laughs> Not many, right? So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But having said that, if you were to paint it white. Um, it would appeal to a larger audience. You'd probably have more chance of selling it. But I've got an idea which will actually answer this question for you. Instead of painting it, get it foiled or wrapped. You know, the, the guys that think of it as like cling film. If you've, mm. got, if you've seen these little foiling yeah. companies and stuff like that, you know, probably cheaper than painting as well. And you can get it foiled in white. Um, a lot more presentable, clean. You can take pictures, advertise it. And it's still pink underneath, right? So if somebody gets bored in the future and going through a midlife crisis, they can always peel the foil off. So I think the best of both worlds would be to find a good foiling company. I think six, seven, eight thousand dirhams on average, they can just refoil the car, and that would make it more appealing to everyone rather than painting. There you are, Desmond. An answer for your niece today. Thank you very much indeed to you, Naz. Can't thank you enough for your time this week, as you do uh, each and every week for us. Other, every other week for us uh, down here at Motor Mania. Uh, anything on the horizon for you over the next couple of weeks? So, as I said, I'm looking forward to this uh, Porsche Taycan. Of course, you are. Yeah. And uh, apart from that, not much really in terms of business. Good though. Business is booming, yeah. As always, the Dubai, right? It's it really is like fire. Everyone making them New Year's resolutions, yeah, exactly, is it? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> nice. Thanks so much indeed. If people want to get in touch with you, what do they do? Um, you can reach out to me on all the uh, usual social media channels. I'm sure Zena will kindly add me to the Instagram now, and uh, you guys can reach out directly as you wish. Nice, Chowdhury. Thank you very much indeed for being with us. You're listening to Motor Mania. More coming your way shortly. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Motor Mania on Dubai Eye 103.8. We are into the second hour of the show. Uh, keep your thoughts coming through. We encourage you to have your say throughout the two hours on air. Big thanks to Naz for joining us in the first hour. And it is time now to welcome into the second hour to discuss all things automotive, uh, revered award-winning automotive journalist, Mr Noel Ebden, who's taken the... Not so hot seat on this occasion, but a seat nonetheless at the table. Uh, morning to you, Noel. Morning, morning. All um, good? Yeah. High noon sounds a bit ominous. A bit, um, you know. <laughs> Round I'm worried now about leaving. Round them up. 
Have you got you got your steed? Uh, yes, st- exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. Uh, yeah. You got a steed waiting outside. <laughs> Circle the wagons, as they say. <laughs> um, driving in the rain. Uh, yes. Look, we're going to get onto that a little later on because we unfortunately here see a spike in the number of accidents. Um, uh, some serious, some not so serious. Whenever it rains here, we'll get into that one a little later on. But before we talk security and safety in driving in the rain, it's quite nice, isn't it? I know. I drove here today. It was like a, as we were saying, a June day in the UK. It was lovely. Yeah, wipers on intermediate, and uh, although I've now discovered on the way to the studio that my washers don't work. Right. So you only discover these things when you desperately need them. So yeah, that's into the garage next week. Exactly like Naz was saying as well. You know, how often do you know whether the blades on your uh, your windscreen are working or not? Because you know, we we lived a very blessed life out here, uh, and whether it's popping into the um, supermarket, the mall or otherwise, and the the army of people that are willing to to, to wash your car for next to nothing uh, here and do an extraordinary job. Equally, uh, people get people to do it at their houses. Equally, equally, people like taking time out to pop into one of their petrol stations as well. Um, but they never tell you that your, your, your windscreen blades need replacing, well, do they? yeah. Actually, it's funny. Um, I'd love to see the... I'd love to track the data of the uh, fuel stations and their sales of wiper blades. Yeah. And it must exactly track the rain in the UAE. <laughs> it's got to, because it's the only time you ever discover it. And to be fair, it's, it's almost impossible to tell until you've got a dirty windscreen. And then you find out when it smears across at ah, right. Off, yeah. off to the service centre. Right. Exactly yeah. that. Yeah, make sure you maintain those because the last thing you want, especially if your car's a few years old, is for it to have faded away and then the, all you've got is the sort of screw there. That yes. Just yes, yeah. Oh, don't. <laughs> that noise. Oh, my God. Anyway. <laughs> uh, right, let's get on to what uh, Mr Ebden has been up to over the last couple of weeks. No Imtishan today. What have you done to him? He's been exploring in Oman. Mm. He's been sending some lovely photos on Instagram. Um, he really should be a travel journalist, to be fair. But uh, anyway, yeah, so he's been gallivanting around Oman in his uh, old Land Cruiser. Our man in Oman, um, uh, Imtishan of Arabia, uh, will be, of course, back in the next couple of weeks. But in the meantime, uh, I read this wrong earlier on this morning. I, I don't think I'd had enough coffee uh, in the first hour. I said that you'd been road testing the Ford Expedition Timberlake, but it's not, is it? <laughs> well, yeah, I keep calling it the, um, what's the shoes? Timber, Timberland. Timberland. I keep calling it the Timberland. <laughs> it's, it's the Timberline. Yes. <laughs> so this was the car that I actually, I mentioned it last week, or last, sorry, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, and it's the off-road version of the new Expedition. So it's got bash plates at the front bigger wheels, chunky tyres, etc. Um, so, yeah, fantastic car. Um, 22 speakers inside. What? 22. I, I tried counting them, couldn't find them. So, 22. So, it's like a disco on wheels? Pretty much. And then add into that a 12 point, I think it's 12.4 inch screen in the centre of the dash. Wow. Which is bigger than a lot of people's TVs. Yeah. So, clearly they've seen how popular Tesla's, uh, you know, big screen uh, is and everyone's going down that road now. But this thing is gigantic. I mean, you just, you could play with it for for hours. The funniest one, my kids loved it because it had it's actually got a, a thing that you can press when you're parked and you can draw on the screen. <laughs> I've no idea why you need that in a car, but it was there. My kids loved it. So, Does it yeah. get the Ebden th- seal of approval? It, well, from my kids, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's as I said before, it's absolutely huge. This car. Um, my kids were walking around in the back of it. That's when you know you've got a big car when people are walking inside it so um 
but yeah, starts at 266 um, uh, AED, big, big car. Um, great if you've got a big family, three-row three row car. Um, yeah, fantastic. Loved Red, it. Readily available or order book? Seems to be available, yeah. Um, I mean, that's the big question these days, isn't it? First thing people ask isn't uh, how much is it? They're asking, nice can car. I, can can I get, get one? <laughs> yes. So, yeah, it seems to be available at the moment. They've got them in the showroom, which is good. So. So that, so that reminds me of that old um, uh, prize game uh, that we used to have back in the UK on TV. Uh, what was it? Oh, uh, bullseye, the darts game, oh, etc. Yes. Yeah. When uh, when the, the host of the uh, the uh, the show always used to say, "Here's what you could have won." Yes, exactly. You know? So yeah. it's like it's like the showrooms these days, isn't it? Here's a car. You might be able to own it one day, but just not now. Yeah, just right, not right now. Uh, funnily enough, I saw that program recently, um, and the cars they give away on there are awful are they? <laughs> austin metros and allegros etc is like yeah thanks i'll pass i'll take i'll take the tankard at yeah. the time we thought it was good yeah um we had a question earlier on actually just on makes and manufacturers um i didn't get an opportunity to ask naz the question um because there was wasn't actually a, a question about valuation it was more about manufacturers especially here for this region krista's question was fairly straightforward uh, she said american or german i think she was talking about cars uh, <laughs> might be so. for another show <laughs> um well that's got to be the widest question in history isn't it um what is it that she's looking for i mean if it's a um if it's built- so let's ask it for let's ask it from a from a reliability and cost approach. Well, okay, so in general, and this all the, all of this is in general, but in general, the German cars will be more expensive to maintain. But you can counter that by saying they're also better built. Hmm. So I mean, American cars have come a long, long way from the plastic dashes of of old. So they are a lot, lot better. But it takes a lot to beat the Germans at build quality. So. If you've got a better built car, but that's more expensive to fix, do those two counter each other out? Mm. Quite possibly. Um, but um, I, I prefer the... Well, it depends what you like. I mean, mm. I, I like the styling of German cars. Mm. I mean, Mercedes built a really nice car. But some people like Mustangs and Camaros and big F-150s and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's horses for courses, isn't it? Horses for courses. Swings and roundabouts. Indeed. Yeah. Swings how many and can, roundabouts. How many can we come up with? <laughs> Uh, we have got loads of uh, uh, talking points that we want to get into. We've got loads of questions coming through as well. Uh, okay, everyone wants to play the compare and contrast. Uh, would you or wouldn't you? Um, uh, Jay has just texted in saying, on that one, Ineos or Defender? Ooh. So Ineos is the new Grenadier. Yes. yes. Okay. The, so, okay. And which I'm is gonna, sort of I'm, styled on, or partly styled on the Defender? Yeah, on the old Defender. Yeah, very similar. It's a cross between... Uh, they've taken a lot of styling cues from the old, uh, the G-Wagon. And I'm not talking the fancy G-Wagons you see on Dubai's roads, but the proper off-road G-Wagons and the Defender. So you're asking about two completely different cars. Okay. Because the defend the new Defender is nothing like the old Defender. It's now a luxury car. So if you want a nice luxury car to cruise around and uh, very similar in some respects to the uh, Discovery, then that's the car to buy. Mm. If you want something that's rugged and is going to go across the empty quarter, etc. then you'd probably go with the, the Grenadier. So it depends. That said, we haven't driven the Grenadier yeah. hardly at all yet because it's the, it's not in market yet. There was a press launch for it, but let's see. 
Um, we'll we'll see them in March, I think, or yeah. roughly. I'm excited about it. Looking forward to it. Great backstory to it as well, mm. for those that don't know. Um, have a little read-up on that one. Uh, let's talk EVs now, if we can, uh, before the break. Uh, let's head over to Norway. Norwegian gov- The Norwegians uh, bought the highest number of electric cars last year, according to recent data. Four out of every fifth car registered last year was an electric car there, according to the data from the Norwegian Road Federation. Actual figures, 138,000 plus electric cars sold last year, 79.3% of total passenger car sales, Norway beating its own record from the previous year, Tesla topping the list of cars. By comparison, electric cars or electric vehicles made up only 8%, 8 8.6% of new car registrations in the EU during the first nine months of the year. So that's the data out there. Um, Norwegian government providing incentives to buy EVs as well. Not the biggest country, good infrastructure when it comes to electric as well. Um, Do those figures surprise you? And is that the road that other governments need to go down, more incentivization? Well, this is the tricky question, isn't it? Look, it... Norway's a quirk in a lot of senses because it's a very rich country. The population is generally very wealthy. Mm. Um, It's a small population for a large country. So there's only five and a half million people live in Norway Mm. and they're all relatively well off. The um, I saw some data the other day that said that all Norwegians were millionaires due to the sovereign wealth fund, apparently, which is then spread amongst it's actually owned by the people. So Mm. on paper, Everyone's a millionaire, wow. which is bizarre. But anyway, get back to EVs. Um, so you've got a very small population, very wealthy, so capable of buying new cars. Um, EVs make sense because you don't pay much tax. Uh, you're, you, I think you can park for free as well. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it just it makes sense to Norwegians to go out and buy one. And buyers will go where it makes sense. If somebody brought out a petrol car tomorrow that was cheap, fast, and used very little petrol, everyone would go and buy it. So people go where it makes sense to go. So they're all going down this road because it's been incentivized. The UK, for example, doesn't incentivize EVs very much. And so sales are minimal. Yeah. So, I mean, I was looking at some data the other day and there's there was 600,000 EVs sold in, in the world, I believe. I'm not sure. I'd have to fact check that. But uh, I was that's what I was told, which is a tiny percentage of the world's car uh, market. If you bear in mind, the UAE and Saudi combined Car, new car market per year is around 750,000. So it's less than two countries in the Gulf. And then you've got the you know giants like China and America and mm. Europe and things like that. You think it's a, it's a drop in the ocean. So it's Norway's very, very much a quirk in this, in this data, if that makes sense. Um, right, we will take a short breather here. Uh, up next, we'll be revealing the top five things you should never do when driving in foggy or rainy conditions. Um, there are fines out there, not just for Noel and myself here for getting things wrong, but uh, big fines if you get things wrong on the road during um, intemperate weather conditions. This is Motormania on Dubai Eye 103.8. With CarSwitch.com, the better way to buy a used car. No one else does it, like carswitch.com. Right, we are. This is Motomania. My name's Tom Merkett. I'm in for Damien Reed, who is away. We'll find out where in just a few moments' time. It is the Car News Roundup with automotive journalist uh, 
extraordinaire, Mr Noel Ebden, who's alongside me at the moment. And let's get to more of the news that uh, uh, both Noel uh, and others have been following throughout the week. These are There are reports that insurance premiums will go up this year as insurers move to cut down on the steep losses they got hit with on motor claims I- last year. It's been observed that premiums have been going up since Q4 of last year. Insurance market CEO Avinash Babur has been quoted saying, look, if we simply compare motor premiums across models from Q1 22 to Q4 22, we can see a 7.5% increase. So question from me to you, Noel, what's pushing up the premiums? Insurance companies. It's quite simple. I mean, you know, is there... Was there more accidents last year than ever before? Or not that I'm aware of. And if there was, is that a quirk or is that just a spike? You know, some years are worse than others. Um, you know, the general cost of living is going up worldwide. The general level of salaries is going up. And so com- companies need to pay for that, including insurance companies. So it looks like they're uh, cashing in, I would say. Oh, I'd love to know from listeners out there. I know that we have a dedicated listener base. Um, is your insurance going up? Have you seen a notable incline when it comes to insurance? And I suppose one of the big... Pro- if, if you have, we'd love to know your examples. You can text them now to us on 4001 or give us a call 04871 um, But in terms of coming down as well, it's one of those nasty ones, isn't it? Is that, you know, when prices go up... It's, it's easy to put prices up during tough times like this, especially when you can talk about the economic headwinds around the world and inflation and costs and supply chain, etc. You sort of get it. But it's when prices come down as well, because once they go up, it's very difficult to bring them down. Yeah. I mean, as you know, the old saying is prices rarely go down, do they? They always seem to go up. Um, look, a, a couple of things about car insurance. Uh, one, always challenge your insurance person. Really? Every single time. I do it every year. I go back and go, it's too expensive. And generally, they'll come back to you with a new price. Mm. Secondly, a couple of things. Check your value of your car. Because every year, they tend to knock an amount off the value of your car. And if your car is, an, depending on what your car is, yeah, this is especially true if you have anything heading towards being a classic car, because it may actually be not, it may not have depreciated. Uh, and yet, they still knock the price down. So you need to go back to them and fight with them about that as well. Mm. Um, and then check that they haven't removed anything, like Oman coverage, for example, or breakdown recovery and things like that. Always check the policy. Most people don't read their policy. They love a renewal, don't they? Yeah, they just renew it. They just go, yep, there you go, it's easy. Bang, yeah. there's the money, thank you very much, off you go. And then they haven't even opened the, the premium, and lo- or the, sorry, the contract and looked through it. You've got to check it. You've got to make sure that you read how much have they valued your car at. Is that correct for the market? You can simply go on you know, any of the uh, car websites and see the pricing and decide and see whether it's good. Moving on, and as you know, if you look out the window, the nearest window to you, uh, it's raining today across the UAE. It has been throughout the week. We're told it's in for the week. It's brilliant. I was at a get event last night um, up at the Burj Al Arab. Sir Tom Jones was playing at oh, the Burj last night. Fantastic. And I had the privilege of introducing him onto stage, and the event organisers were very concerned because it was an outdoor event. Um, and it was a little bit blowy yesterday and it was a little bit stormy as well. And we had this brilliant moment where everyone's sort of looking to the skies and things like that and it was a bit fuzz. Um, and literally, as Tom Jones was making his way up to the stage for Tom Urquhart's big sort of, hey, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. Just, just before we started that, 
that the heavens literally erupted. Not in rain, <laughs> but with the most almighty crack of thunder and lightning and bits and pieces. And everyone just looked up and went, oh, no. And you know what? Not a drop of rain. A couple of drops of rain, but it stayed off. So... There that, you go. That's a force of nature. When well, a man can silence a thunderstorm. I was going to say, well, Tom Jones is a force of nature, isn't he, I think? But uh, what a legend. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, uh, my, my father always calls this weather threatening, threatening which, I, which I, I love. This is such a British term. It's, yeah. It makes me laugh. What's the other one? Spitting. It's yeah, spitting. It's spitting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, look, bit of rain, bit of fog out there at the moment. Most of us are decent drivers, I'd like to think. Um, there are... Some that need a little bit of reminder. There are some that sort of lose their heads as soon as it starts raining as well. Some traffic violations are quite obvious during this time of intemperate weather. Uh, look, don't speed, don't tailgate. I'm telling you, but people will, obviously. But what about some of the things that motorists do that they don't realise are also major traffic violations that could land them in a spot of bother, both financially and otherwise. We've rounded up uh, our list. Uh, feel free to add to the list as well. As you see fit, you can text us on 4001. Uh, taking photographs while driving. Now, if you do that, and a lot of people do, 800 dirham fine, four black points. Uh, lots of drivers uh, posting real-time videos of rain and fog while driving. It's going to get them in trouble. Mm. Should be more. Should be more than 800, in my view. It's so dangerous. I mean, I'm a, I'm a motorbike rider, and I, I can see down into cars as I'm passing them, and um, people are just not paying attention to what they're doing. Driving's like fifth on their list of priorities when they're driving, which is terrifying. And, uh, yeah, taking photos. I mean, who needs to film and take photos while they're driving? Let and me. it seems to do it that, you know, because I suppose the rain is a bit rare here, and there will be a lot of people that haven't lived mm. in parts of the world where there are, intemperate weather conditions, people think it's going to boost their online presence. And also, it's not that rare. I mean, I can understand people taking a photograph of a solar eclipse, but, but it's raining. Hey, it, happens every, it happens, yeah, exactly. <laughs> happens every year, and it happens a couple of times every year. It's not massively unusual. Um, so, you know, it's it's like taking a photo of sand dunes, isn't yeah. it? They're there. We've, we've all been and taken a photo, but you, know, you don't need to do it all the time. A little bit of advice. When you see the cloud seeding planes go up, just get your, get your cameras ready. Yeah, exactly. Swear yeah, to God, yeah. within the next 12 hours. <laughs> but pull over before you take the photo. Exactly yeah. that, yeah. And it's interesting you talk about that because my daughter, uh, eldest daughter, has just passed her, well, she passed her driving test at the end of last year. She turned 18 um, a couple of weeks ago. The first thing she did on her birthday was get down to, uh, I was going to say the DVLA there, but it's obviously not the DVLA, <laughs> but the equivalent of, uh, and got her licence mm. on her 18th birthday. Um, and we got home and bits and pieces and, 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 and ordinarily, I was thinking about this, I said, look, you know, just word of advice, word from the wise, and I know you won't listen, but word from the wise. And years, years gone by, I would have said, don't drink a drive. Hmm. Don't drink a drive. Don't do something silly like that. Yeah. My first bit of advice is, was don't text and drive. Yeah. And I think that's just a sign of the times, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it, it's it's become it's, it's endemic across the world. I mean, everywhere, everywhere you go, the US is terrible. One of the worst places I've been is the US for people mm. texting. Um, people literally mid phone call talking. And in a lot of states, it's not. It's a bit unclear whether it's actually legal. Really? Or not. Yeah, yeah. And so you see people. Uh, California is a bit of an oddity. People, everyone's on their phones in their cars. Mm. Everyone, and not on hands free. That's a global endemic. One thing oh. that's not a global endemic, but is 
obviously something unique to here. Driving with your hazard lights on as soon as it starts raining. Right, I've got a point about this. So I've been here 26 years now. And when I first got here, it would one spot of rain and the entire highway would have their hazard <laughs> lights on. To be fair, it's actually... A lot, yeah, it's got so much better, and there's you see the odd person, usually a certain vehicle which I won't name, uh, with their hazard lights on. But it has got a lot better, yeah, and and people now tend to wave and flash at people who have got their hazard lights on, telling telling them turn them turn them off. There's no, what's the point? It doesn't mean anything. So yeah, could get yourself five hundred and fine four black points as well if you are caught. Mm. I put that in inverted commas at the moment as well. If you yes. are caught doing that. Um, number three, driving in foggy weather without your lights on. Okay, I've got another point on this one. A lot of people assume that their automatic lights will come on. Most cars, most new cars now have automatic headlights. People will assume that they come on because the uh, it's foggy outside or you know it's low light conditions. Not necessarily just check that the little headlight sign is mm. on on your dashboard because depending on how the light's reflecting back, they don't always come on. Um, you and I grew up in the UK. Do we have fog lights here? Yes. Yeah. All cars have fog lights. Yes. All cars do. Yeah. Do we all know where the button for the fog lights are? Okay. Oddly, most people seem to know where it is to switch it on, but very few people seem to know where it is to switch it off again. And I've never understood why car manufacturers don't make them switch off automatically when you turn the car ah. off. So they don't. So on most cars, they don't. Let me put it that way. So make sure that once the fog is cleared, you're not still driving around with a million watts blaring out the back of your car. So, yeah. Number four, driving with car lights in poor condition. Driving with car Okay, what is driving with car lights? I suppose in- that's the one where you could get pulled over in other parts of the world if your backlight is out. Um, oh, I see. I thought like, poor condition as in weather condition. <laughs> oh, right, okay, no, I'm with you now. Right, okay, not having decent lights. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, quick, easy one, and most people listening will know this anyway, but if your indicators tick fast at you, it's because one of them isn't working. Ah. So when you put your indicator on, it normally goes tick, tock, tick, tock. Like if it goes tick, 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 it means one of them's not working. Okay, perfect. So it goes straight to the uh, uh, nearest. Uh, the petrol stations usually have those little garages in them that can fix that in about two minutes. Look, there's one thing, that, there's a number of things that drive me mad on the roads of the UAE, but one thing that does drive me mad, and one thing I try and do the old, you know, hand out the window and wave people down and give them the old, mm. um, your lights aren't working. But the condition of lights, it's the one when you're, to, and I forgive people, I know because the street lighting is so good here, even on the highways. I forgive people for coming out of a mall and not realising their lights are not on because yeah. you lit up in the car and you lit up all around. Yep. And we've all been there, we've all done it. Um, so everyone makes mistakes. What's unforgivable is when you're behind a car and you think they've done that and you go, poor thing, poor thing. So you come up and you try and do the good thing. And then you realise they haven't got any backlights and their front lights are sort of are almost at a dim as well. And they're just not bothered. Yeah. 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 I, I actually had someone once say to me, oh, well, you don't need your headlights on because um, the roads are so well lit. I, I shook my head, had my head in my hands a bit. But um, a couple of things on this. One, if if you valet park, all valet parkers put the car back into an off mode. So most people leave their car in automatic headlight. When you go to a valet parker, which a lot of us do here, oh, they right? switch it to off. Okay. And so then you drive off into the into the darkness with no lights on because you don't worry about your lights because they're on automatic. Secondly, when I was growing up, cars didn't have good dashboard lights. Yes. And so you would know that your headlights weren't on because you couldn't see the dials. Yeah. Whereas nowadays, cars have such amazing lit up dashes that 
you actually don't know without physically looking at the road or at the reflection of the car in front of you or whatever. So, um, yeah, just make sure it's on automatic is the easiest way. Yeah, look, uh, poor condition of lights. If you're driving with car lights in poor condition, could land yourself 100 dirham. Uh, fine. Also, six black points. Uh, driving with rear indicator lights in poor condition, also uh, the same. 400 dirhams, just two black points. And driving in foggy weather without lights, 500 dirham. Fine. And Ouch. a possibility of four black points. Mm. So please adhere to these rules. Tom in with Noel at the moment, although my wingman's about to do one. He's going to go and jump back into his Timberlake uh, <laughs> and head back out onto the roads of the UAE. I uh, can't thank you enough for all of your help this morning what's in store for Noel Ebden this week uh, I have got next week I have got a really interesting one a uh, new company called Days which is a uh, rental car company oh, yeah yeah I've seen their advertising yeah, everywhere yeah but uh, classic cars Ooh. so they have an old Camaro SS a Chevelle a Mustang a Corvettes so driving one of those next week and I will report back and I'll give you some pricing as well and some ideas of how that all works. That sounds amazing. Um, and then uh, I'm on the Honda uh, community ride next weekend. Okay. So Honda motorcycles. So big ride out, lunch, etc. So uh, if you're anyone interested in that, find them online. So Looking forward to it. Well, thanks for your time this morning. All the best with those challenges ahead. If people want to get in touch with you, Noel, what do they do? Noel Lipton on Instagram. Uh, get on the gram and say hi to Noel. Noel, thanks so much indeed. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. You too. This is Motormania on Dubai Eye 103.8. With CarSwitch.com, the better way to buy a used car. No one else does it like CarSwitch.com. Uh, right, Damo, where's he? He's not here, that's for sure. He's been working on his Alpha, giving it a full electrical overhaul back in Australia, of all places. Why he couldn't do it anywhere else in the world remains to be seen. But before that, he flew to Spain to witness the launch of Nissan's Formula E programme on the Jarama track in San Sebastián de, de, de los Reyes. Come on, Tom, put your teeth in. Just outside Madrid, he got behind the wheel of the Generation 3 Nissan Leaf, soon to be ready to race. In Damien's words, I bet you've never seen or heard of a Nissan Leaf quite like this. He's also been checking out the SUV crossover, the Nissan Aria. It's an exclusive chat with Tommaso Volpe, the managing director of Nissan Formula E team. He learned all about the car maker's plans to develop its cars to get them Formula E ready. Formula E is a great testbed to, to fast-track development of electric vehicle componentry, battery life, all that kind of stuff. How much has this new car that we're seeing tonight changed from the first Formula E car? Well, the change is really enormous, I would say. If we look at the generation one, so eight years ago, we are talking about very slow cars. And uh, of course, it was, was the beginning of the sport. And you, you couldn't even finish the race with the same car. The drivers had to jump from one car to another because the battery was not good enough. Not good enough. It was not, uh, the capacity was not high enough. Generation two, which are the last four seasons when Nissan was racing, was already a, a very strong step forward in terms of uh, autonomy. Cars, obviously, are able to race a full length of, of the race and the performance was much higher and 250 kilowatt and etc etc so i think generation two was uh, so the last four seasons uh, was the moment when the sport uh, became credible he also became an fia official world championship so is is when it became um, credible as a motorsport as a tier one motorsport generation three i think is the phase when we will show the 
real high performance and a level of innovation of electric vehicles in motorsport because cars will be much more powerful. Our motors will be 350 kilowatt. We will have two motors, in fact, the motor for regeneration and traction of 350 kilowatt in the rear of the car and the motor in the front with additional 250 kilowatt of regeneration. So the car will have a, a total amount of potential regeneration power of 600 kilowatt, which is amazing. We will install during generation three fast charging technology. So the level of innovation and complexity of these machines is, uh, is, is going very high. We have done some simulations and uh, these cars will be able to regenerate more than 40% of the energy they need to finish a race, which is unprecedented in motorsport, but I would say in automotive. <laughs> it's a level of efficiency which is really high. So generation three is probably the moment when the sport will show to public how exciting and innovative can be electric vehicles in motorsport. This morning we took the uh, the new Araya out for, for a few laps, my first chance to drive the Araya. It's a car that we first saw previewed regionally at the World Expo in Dubai late last year. And uh, to get behind the wheel of it now is, is, uh, has been amazing. But a lot of technology in that car has been developed directly from Formula E, from your, your development up till now. Also the race car, the little uh, Nissan Leaf, got a few quick laps in that. Dynamite, absolutely dynamite quick. What sort of features are now coming through to the mainstream production cars like the Araya that's been a result of Formula E? Well, there are uh, Formula E different from other motorsports have also these uh, these features that we don't develop in Formula E, the the chassis or the bodywork or the aerodynamics. All this is uh, supplied by the same supplier for every single team. So what we do as a manufacturer is a very precise perimeter which is the gearbox, the motor, and the inverter of the rear powertrain, and all the softwares of the car. So all the control systems, the, the chassis control and the energy management, etc., etc. And why this is important? Because these are actually the key performance differentiators in Formula E, but these are also the, the areas where we can transfer the most the, the experience from Formula E to to road cars, electric road cars, because is actually transferable. The experience we get in making the hardware, for instance, as efficient as possible when it comes to designing a motor, an inverter, or, or the gearbox of Formula E car. The level of energy efficiency of these vehicles is higher than 95%, which means the amount of power coming out of the battery is transformed by a ratio higher than 95% into traction to the wheel something which is impressive compared to road cars. So we can, first of all, learning a lot from that, how to make the hardware of our electric vehicles very efficient. But then all the software and the energy management is crucial, how efficiently and clever way you manage the energy in order to have the best performance on track is the same logic of using the energy in a very efficient way to go from A to B on the road or any kind of surface. And then, for instance, when it comes to the Nissan Aria, the E-Force technology is a combination of traction control and chassis control. And uh, and this is something that in Formula E is so important as well to win races, the whole chassis control area, all the systems to control the agility of the car in connection with the energy management in Formula E. And then this is another area where we can transfer a lot of know-how. So far, we have done more the opposite. We have transferred the know-how from the, the road cars into the development of the Formula E car for next seasons. But we plan to, to close the, 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 the cycle going 
back to to to, to our advanced R and D with uh, some additional know how that we are generating. To to a layman who's looking at the, the the Formula E car on the track and the road car, I might think, okay, well, Formula E, it's it's great, it's 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 fast, it's getting faster, but it's 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 a short race. It's not like uh you know having a car for a long time, but it does transfer across, does it, in terms of it's all down to battery efficiency. You don't need 600 horsepower in your road car, but you want your battery to last 600 plus kilometers. And that's really something that is coming out of Formula E as well, yeah? Absolutely. The thing with the electric vehicles uh, compared to internal combustion engine is that they are more flexible. So the focus, of course, when you reach a certain amount of power in the motor, then the focus is more on how you use the energy at your disposal the energy that you have in the battery and the energy that you can regenerate by the driving itself. What do I mean with that? Differently from internal combustion engine, the power output on, of an electric motor can vary a lot. So the area can be driven in a very sporty way with a very strong acceleration and torque or in a more comfortable way and, and slow speed and comfortably. This is all dictated by the energy management. So how much energy you want to utilize from the battery at certain moment in the drive. If this is combined with the e-force or any traction control system that guarantees you the full control on any kind of surface, you have a perfectly flexible vehicle that can perform in a very sporty way, in a very aggressive way, if you want, or in a very comfortable way. And this is something that only electric vehicles can guarantee with such a, a wide I would say, portfolio of behaviors, <laughs> if I can call it them. And the experience in Formula E is helping us a lot on that because uh, track layouts are, are all very different. And it's all about competing on, we call it an energy race, because we all have the same power output by regulations. We all have the same power of regeneration. We all have the same battery. So it's all about planning how to use this energy at our disposal in order to not to have the fastest lap ever during the race, but in order to win the race. So in order to make sure that at the end of the race, we have finished the race uh, ahead of anyone else. So this means that in some moments of the race, is more about efficiency. In other moments of the race, is more about pure speed and acceleration. So it's, it's the complexity of this energy management, which is so relevant for the electric vehicles, and it can be transferred so easily to electric vehicles. Well, great. Uh, Thomas Welby, thank you so much for joining us this morning on Motormania. It's been a fantastic experience to see how the technology transitions from the race car to the road car with the Araya. That was Damien Reed in conversation uh, with Tommaso Volpe, the Managing Director of Nissan Formula E team, about Nissan's Motorsport EV programme. Up next, well, he's been earning his crust, that's for sure, because uh, Damo uh, has been out and about uh, speaking to the global boss of Nissan. So we'll bring that one to you in just a few moments' time. Uh, You're listening to Motormania live here on a Saturday morning. Hope you're enjoying your weekend thus far. Plenty more still to come. Keep it locked here on Dubai Eye 103.8. This is Motormania on Dubai Eye 103.8. With CarSwitch.com, the better way to buy a used car. No one else does it like CarSwitch.com. We are motormaniaing this motormaniaing. We are. It is motormania. My name's Tom Urquhart. I'm in for Damien Reed, who is away at the moment. Uh, away in body, but not in spirit, that's for sure. Or voice, for that matter, because he's still working hard and sending back 
his uh, hard graft. You just heard this chat, his chat with Tomaso Volpe, the boss of Nissan's Formula E program on the Jarama track in, uh, well, just outside Madrid over in Spain. He got behind the wheels of the Generation 3 Nissan Leaf and the Nissan Aria, uh, an SUV crossover. He also spoke to Guillaume Cartier, who is the chairman of Nissan Africa, Middle East, India, Europe and Oceania. He told Demo that uh, by 2030, more than 55% of Nissan sales are going to be of electric vehicles. Here's Demo in conversation with Guillaume. You've actually brought in the factor of emerging re- emerging countries and emerging regions, which some manufacturers haven't really counted into that. They think, OK, we must be 100%. But where we live, obviously, it's an emerging region or yeah. part of. How much of that factor of came into your thinking and do you think there'll be a time where, we, where it could be 100%? The point is we have different technology and you have e-power, which is the first step. Yeah? So it, it's a technology which is sending uh, the electricity to the wheels, but you don't need to charge. So this is the step which you don't have this anxiety of the range. This technology we are launching in many places, uh, even in some emerging market like in South America, but also in, in Africa. Even if you don't have the network which is ready for charging, you can go with this one. And ultimately, there is the, the second one, which is the full battery uh, EV. Still, you have the battery anxiety. That's why the next generation of battery, solid-state battery, will get rid of that. And after, will it be 100%? I think it will take time. Even when you say 55 by 2030, still remains a part of the market for the non-EV. On the short term, I don't think it will be 100%. In some region, it could be at a higher percentage, but I don't see worldwide 100%. So as we said, we're here for the, the launch of Formula E. Nissan has been competing in Formula E before, but with the EDAMS team, now Nissan has taken the team on, running as a full factory outfit. Firstly, tell me, what did Nissan learn from its first seasons? And secondly, the reasons behind going completely on their own and, and purchasing the team? Yeah, you, you're right. It's a totally different step. And um, I would say we changed the gear, if I can use this analogy. Yeah, we become OEM. Yeah, So OEM means you, you manufacture the, the, the car, you manufacture the Formula E, and then you have your racing team. Yeah, Before we were uh, a racing team. So yeah, but the first thing is to say, yeah, you, you have um, something that you have to own. So uh, everything which is done upstream for your car to be uh, performing, that's what we are we, we are learning. So learning curve is is quite um, is quite quick because we have to be performing really quick. This season nine will be the key challenge, the key test. But our ambition is uh, is really high. Many changes uh, with the engineer, with the the, the the pilot, with the M to uh, to be by far better than than last year and gradually to go uh, for the winning position. I mean, the, the rules are very tight Still. in terms of yeah. what you can do in Formula E. What sort of freedoms does this now give you now that you're, you're running completely as your own team? On the car, on the chassis, you have certain freedom, of course, with the different rules. The thing which is the same for all the um, the racing team is the battery is the same. The tyres are, are the same. So that uh, is something which is... Uh, giving the same level for everyone where you can make the difference on, on something else. So we are having more freedom because we are building our cars, but still we have to comply, of course, with the rule of, of the Formula e. Battery technology changed so much because of motorsport, range, horsepower, weight efficiencies. How, how much does motorsport actually shortcut that path for the development for cars like we saw the, with the Araya, for instance? You are spot on. That's why we, we came and the motivation is, is super high. Uh, that's what we call track to road or road to track because 
one is speaking to the other. But clearly, there are many things that um, you can develop, test uh, on the track, and then adopt on, on your cars. You can see one of the sponsors is Nismo. We have the uh, Aria one-seater. Many things we are testing. And as you say, re regeneration is something we are testing live at a really high level that uh, we can see what we put on, on the road. So many things that uh, we can test in extreme condition, and then after you can adopt uh, on the road. Has there been any, any learnings from your involvement in Formula E so far that you've managed to put into other forms of motorsport? Yes, and vice versa. Because when you look at the structure, you have a company called Nismo, which is under Category San, which is the chairman of the board of Formula E. So he has the visibility of all the activity, and one can help the others. So that is continuous uh, improvement that each category can help the others. In terms of Nissan's move to electrification, with the recent happenings and with COVID and supply chain issues and everything else, how has that affected things at the moment for the development process? There are many things that uh, we have learned to do in a different manner. COVID was pushing to have some digitalization that we didn't have in, in the past. i give you some example. Some of the design were validated by the executive in a digital way. And one of the examples is the one-seat area that has been done digitally. That has pushed many development. Nothing has been frozen, but obviously you have to, to learn to do it in a remote way. Guillaume Cartier, thank you so much for joining us on Motormania this morning. And thank you again for, for inviting us down here to have a look at Formula E. I can't wait to go up to Saudi and have a look at these cars running around. And uh, yeah, it's been a fantastic day. Thanks so much. That was the OG, Mr. Damien Reed, uh, over in Spain, speaking to Guillaume Cartier, who is the chairman of Nissan Africa, Middle East, India, Europe and Oceania. That's a sales pitch, isn't it, eh? What a patch. Look, I'm Tom Urquhart, but that's it from me. That's it for today's programme. Catch us on the 21st for another live edition of the only interactive car show on the airwaves, Motormania. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.